0: that we believe that our church and our individual lives will and can and will make an impact for God in 2018. So that's kind of our word for the year, impact. And so we're in a five-week series on if we're going to make an impact for God, there's some things I think that are important that we understand and embrace biblically if we want to see our lives and our church, um, our ministries, etc., indeed make an impact for God in this year. Last week we began this series and uh, we talked about if we're going to make an impact for God then it has to begin with our beliefs and to get our beliefs right we have to base our beliefs on the Bible and so we challenged you and many of you took the challenge and I'm excited to hear some of that already. We called on you for a one-year Bible challenge and I know it's something probably many people do every year It's not a New Year's resolution because New Year's resolutions get broken the first week. But we want to develop within ourselves a a discipline and an attitude that we want to read the Bible, not from a legalist, i got to read the Bible because the pastor wants me to read the Bible. No, no, understanding that it's the Bible where we base our beliefs. And so we, we need to spend some time in the scriptures. We said to have right beliefs, right beliefs lead to right actions, and right actions lead to maximum impact. And if you weren't here last week, we have on the back table some uh, things to assist you in your prayer life. You've got a five-day reading plan for five days a week to get through the Bible in a year. It takes only 15 minutes for five days. You get a couple days off on the weekend if you like. But in that uh, guide, you can get through the entire Bible in 2018. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments. Originally... Um, Pastor Roger was supposed to be preaching this morning, and he had this little interruption in his life and felt that um, he wasn 't going to make it. in fact, I was texting him, and uh, even after the birth, saying, "Oh, you want to preach now and um, but I knew it wasn 't going to happen, but I was just giving them a, a little bit of a you know jab whatever and um, so appreciate both Pastor Roger and Megan and excited for this young life that 's come into their family. But uh, so anyway, i 'm on this morning, so pray for this guy. Um, he told me Friday, and uh, that 's okay. Um, you know, we will uh, share some things this morning that I trust will help us and challenge us in this second area. So I want to talk about this second area of five that we're going to look at, that if we get these right, it'll help us to lead an impactful life, a life that will be such pliable and available for God to flow through to impact others for eternity, not just for now, not just for today or tomorrow, but for eternity. And so the second area of impact I want to talk to you about is compassion. Living a life of compassion. And here's a definition for you for compassion. Compassion is a heartfelt response to the suffering of others that motivates me to help in Jesus' name. A heartfelt response to the suffering of others that motivates me to help In Jesus' name. And if you look at just the Old Testament, for if we did just study the Old Testament this morning, there's over 100 verses that deal with compassion, with helping the less fortunate. And if you look in the New Testament, there's at least another 100 verses that deal with compassion, with helping the less fortunate. Tells me the topic we're talking about today, compassion, is very close to the heart of God. Very close. If we want to live a life of impact in our communities, in our church, in our city, in our world, we must live a life of compassion. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells his disciples a story. And he tells them a parable about those who who would show compassion to the less fortunate. And he says, this is why it's important. I want you to look at what Jesus said. We pick up the story, Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right... Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, notice this now, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, stopping there just for a moment. My first question is, how did they get that? How did they get that kingdom? Because it sounds like a pretty good reward. Sounds like an amazing reward, right? He says, I've got an entire kingdom kingdom ready to give you because you were righteous and you did the right thing. Now look at what he says to inherit that reward. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? In other words, they're like, we don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. I don't ever remember doing that for you. And then look at the final response. In verse 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Isn't that incredible? This passage is called, in many circles, the great compassion. Because Jesus says, When we show compassion for the least of these, those with the greatest needs, it's as if we're showing compassion to Jesus himself. Wow. Now we've read this verse many times. We've heard messages on this many times. How we respond to the needs of the least of these. Now get this is a good indicator of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can say ouch if you want to. It's a good indicator of our relationship with Jesus Christ, of our love for him. When you serve someone who can't serve you back, when you give to someone who has no possibility of ever giving back to you, when you do that, he says... You're serving God. You're doing a godly thing. Not only are you blessing that other person, but the Bible says God blesses you and I in return. It's you who receive God's kingdom as your reward. Wow! Now, example, in our midst, there's a man who Leaves our country, goes to Albania. God blesses him with a wife and kids on the the process. Is that part of the kingdom? Uh, Maybe to serve those the least. In fact, a nation as known as the most, or the, the atheistic nation of the world, serve the least. And now I'm, I don't want to just single out one couple because there's many of you in this room who are involved in the very same thing, serving the least or the ones in need, those who never give back to you, whether you've been at Mustard Seed or the Dream Center or uh, Drop In Center or In From The Cold or Salvation Army or Dingling the Christmas Bell or whatever it is. Serve the least. Our reward, your reward, is the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but when reading this passage in Matthew, it sounds like a pretty big deal to Jesus. Compassion seems like a big deal to God. That's why I think showing compassion to the least of these has such impact. When we show compassion, Jesus is at work. Isn't that wild? When you show compassion, when I show compassion, Jesus is at work. Hmm. He's doing something because compassion is close to God's heart. Now, how do we do this? How do I respond with compassion to the needs I see in our community, our city, our world? How do I make an impact through my compassion? Well, here's the first way. If we're going to make an impact through compassion, we must remember God's compassion for me and for you. If I want to make an impact through my compassion, I first have to remember God's compassion for me. And we experience God's compassion every moment of every day of our lives. Every day. Now, unfortunately, most of us, we don't think about it. We don't even notice it. We often take for granted all the blessings that God has given us. All the times during the day that God has intervened in our life, we're not even aware of. I believe he intervenes in our lives every single day to help us, to bless us, to save us from pain, the times that we've turned our back on God, yet he didn't turn his back on us, and he blessed us anyway. I mean, take a look at what David had to say about God's compassion in Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Now, notice it doesn't say God... God is compassionate when we deserve it. It doesn't say God is compassionate as long as we're doing good things. It doesn't say God is compassionate at least until we make him angry and then his love goes away. It doesn't say that. This is all about God's character. It's about who he is. He's slow to anger and his love is unfailing. Now one of the things that we want to see developed in every person's life, here at Northwest Family Church, is a transformation and a change of our character. Our character traits. And so, you'll hear more about this as we go along, but there's ways that we can have a look at our own character, and there's ways that God can help us to see our character changed through the power of his word, and some of our own self-discipline and But this is God's character. He's compassionate. You cannot separate God from his compassion. Because that's his character. It's about who he is. He's slow to anger. His love is unfailing. Listen, that means no matter what we do, even when we're at our worst, God is at his best. (laughs) Wow. Even when I'm doing wrong, Nothing takes away his loving compassion for me. And you know, the greatest act of compassion in the history of the world is when God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and mine. When Jesus gave his life for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so our sins could be wiped away, so that we could have eternal life, so we could be reconnected with God. There's not a day that goes by that you and I don't sin. Scripture says, he who says he's without sin is a liar. Not a day goes by that we don't mess up, maybe have a wrong thought or wrong word or wrong attitude or or something that we, we don't, and we make mistakes. In spite of the fact that we constantly turn our back on God and rebel against him and disobey him, God still pursues us. He still loves me. He still forgives us. But how can we live a life of compassion? He set the example, but how can we live that life? As we understand the relevance of compassion in our lives and how the same is an indicator of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves the question, how can we live a life of compassion? We gave the definition of compassion as being compassion is a heartfelt response to the suffering of others that motivates me to help in Jesus' name. Moreover, we need to understand that compassion is an important characteristic, character trait that we need to grow and develop in our lives. We can say, well, you know, their personality tends to be more compassionate than mine. I'm not talking personality. I'm talking character trait. Because compassion is something that we need to have if we're going to impact That's right. our society and our world. Right. And so... We need to understand that compassion is important. Compassion is a type of behavior that is beneficial to both ourselves and the person or persons we relate to. Let me share with you four practical steps that will help us to grow in compassion. Number one, we need to remember we need to imitate God's compassion. If I truly want to make an impact to my compassion, I first must experience and remember God's compassion for me. See, the gospel is God's story of compassion and love for us. John 3.16, we all know it, considered by many to be the, the theme verse of the entire Bible. And reveals to us the relentless love that God has for this fallen lost world. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's God's invitation to you this morning to come to him in faith and through a simple prayer receive and experience his love. He wants to heal, restore, and build your life. He wants to give you purpose. And if you haven't, would you come to him today? Step one. If we haven't experienced God's love and compassion, we would be incapable of showing his compassion towards others. Now, I know there are people, some very compassionate people. In fact, in our, I think our city is well known for its generosity to certain causes and charities and, and, and things. It's, I think it's well known that our city is very compassionate. Now, is everybody in our city, because they're compassionate, a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of Christ? I don't think so there were there wouldn't be enough buildings to hold everybody when they came to worship the one who they want to imitate is compassion there is a natural compassion and sense of of desire to help people which extends to physical things and compassion is more than just physical things Compassion involves not just physical things, but a willingness to walk along somebody and help them through those times until they too can be strong enough to allow the compassion of God to flow through them. It's a walking alongside people to help them. It's not just a one-time, here's 20 bucks, or here's a meal. Those can be acts of compassion and kindness, but our compassion needs to go farther than that even as we see in the example of Jesus Christ. Now, Matthew five forty eight says, Be perfect in love, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're to imitate the Father in our daily lives. So, number two, recognize other people's needs. Now, the love that God has poured into our hearts will move us to show his love and compassion to others. When we come to Jesus making the decision of becoming one of his disciples, we're actually deciding to put our will in second place and his will first. You see, coming to Jesus Christ and recognizing we need a Savior is more than just asking him to be our Savior, it's allowing him to be our Lord our master. So we become second, he becomes first. Our will becomes second, his will becomes first. So in order to do that, we, we, we need to make the decision, perhaps every day, Lord, I want you on the throne of my life, I want you governing my life, so this day, as I start this day, please help me, recognizing you in every aspect of my life, as the lord and so in becoming his disciples we're second he's first and the power of the gospel changes us from inside out like a microwave oven it changes us from inside and then outside sometimes we look at people and we still see their little raw on the outside you ever notice that and and they profess to be a believer and something comes out of their mouth or some action comes out of their mouth and we say how can that person be a believer Allow God to change people from the inside out. You can have somebody who has all the exterior right. And Jesus alluded to it when he talked about the cup, right? But the inside is terrible. (laughs) Allow God to change people. It's not your job or my job to make people change. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's our teacher. He's the one we just need to love on people, recognize other people's needs, and let the power of the gospel change people from the inside out. It changes the way we see ourselves, the way we see the world, and the way we see others. Now we live to please the Lord, not ourselves. It's like our eyes were open to a new reality that we never saw before. Suddenly, we're well aware of the need around us. We feel the urgency of doing something about it, and it's a perfect scenario to grow in our compassion towards others. So as we recognize other people's needs, I mean, day after day, we see poverty, we see people in need. So much so that instead of feeling compassion, sometimes we can block those things out of our mind when I speak of poverty, I'm not referring only to the economical aspect of, but also to all those who are emotionally, socially, and spiritually poor. Those who are lacking love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, friendship, companionship, and many other treasures that we find in Jesus and in his church. On the other hand, If we don't follow God's compassion and we let the world influence our behavior, we'll notice that pretty soon we'll not even see when someone is in need anymore. We look right through them. If we allow ourselves to follow the selfishness of our sinful nature, then the only time we'd really notice a homeless person or a person in need would be when they got right in our way, Or they're right there as we stopped at the traffic light with a little sign. Then we notice them when they're asking us for some money. And then we probably feel more irritation than compassion. We who no longer see their humanity, our heart will just become numb. Has that ever happened to you? If we're honest... It's easy for that to happen to us. We get busy. We get distracted. We've all got a lot to do. Work is demanding. Our schedules are full. We're always in a hurry. And because of that, it becomes easy to ignore and to overlook the need that is right there in front of us every day. Sometimes compassion demands that we be interrupted. That's the thing about Jesus and his heart. It never grew numb. It wasn't ever calloused. He never looked past people. He always shows compassion. Jesus was always willing to be interrupted by those who needed him. You know another way to show compassion? Just as an aside, maybe it's happened to you, maybe it's happened to me. You may be in the church foyer, you're at some Christian event or whatever, and you're talking with somebody, and you might even be sharing your heart with them about something you're struggling with. And you notice, they're looking Past you to the next conversation. You almost want to slap the person in Jesus' name and say, hey, am I chopped liver? Now we've probably all experienced that or maybe we've even been a participant in it. It's about Having a heart of compassion. It's about caring. It's about really, truly loving people with the love of Jesus Christ. I wasn't in my notes, but anyway. One day, Jesus had a very long day. He'd been teaching people, he'd been healing people. He was exhausted, and all he wanted to do was get away. He got into this boat with his disciples, and they kind of, well, they didn't really run, they rowed away from the crowds went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and as they're crossing the sea, guess what the people did? The crowds ran all the way around to meet him on the other side. He gets out of the boat on the other side to rest, and there's a huge crowd waiting on him. And Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, what did he have? Yes. Compassion. On them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus sees the large crowd. He's, been, he's tired. He needs a rest. He needs a break. Compassion. Despite it being tired, Jesus sees the need and he lets his own plans be interrupted. Like Jesus, we're faced with a choice Will we recognize the needs that are around us? Will we allow the needs of others to interrupt our lives? Ephesians 1.18, the message translation says, I ask God to make your eyes focused and clear so you can see exactly what God is calling you to do. What am I supposed to do? Look, you know as well as I do, you can't give money to everybody who asks for money. But you can't use that as an excuse not to do something. Besides money... There are so many other important things that you can give to those in need. Time, friendship, listening, counsel, most of all, the gospel. You have the opportunity and privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. And in doing so, fulfilling the great commission that we all have received from the Lord Jesus. Now I'm not saying, next time you're down on the street... You're walking past a homeless person. He's asking you for money. Repent or you're going to go to hell. That'll go a long way. (laughs) That was compassion. Sound a little judgmental to me. It's the truth. I've seen, uh, I'm off Facebook for 21 days, but prior I've seen people posting these things of hidden cameras or whatever. Maybe it was set up, I don't know, but it, it was a great story of a homeless person who somebody comes and slips some money under while they're sleeping on the bench and the person wakes up and finds the money and goes and buys some things and the same guy who put the money sitting on the bench and the guy comes back and sits there. He's now got a bunch of stuff and looks like they're conversing and talking and The homeless guy takes the stuff back to the store. Gets back the money to help the guy who originally gave him the money. Wow. That's a great truth demonstrated from the scripture. We have the opportunity and privilege of sharing. You know, friends, please don't take this wrong. I'm not saying you're not compassionate. You don't help people. You don't. But probably all of us, myself included, can be a little more compassionate to those around us. We can go to the world wherever there's need and share Jesus Christ. You can still treat everyone with love and compassion. You can still take action to make a difference wherever it's possible. Thirdly, if we're going to make an impact, compassion, we need to serve others. God's going to use me, I've got to take action and serve others. Just because you can't show compassion to everyone today doesn't mean that you shouldn't show compassion to someone today. Compassion isn't a feeling. Compassion is an action. It's a response that we take to suffering. It's a response that we do in his name. In fact, James chapter 2 speaks about compassion in really strong language. He says, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Now here he's talking about brothers, sisters, somebody in the church. You meet someone in the church who has no food and they're really in a bad way, and and they share that need with you, and you say, have a great day. Stay warm. Eat well. God bless you. And you don't really help that person in any way to their need. What good does that do? Faith by itself isn't enough. Now, please, I'm not trying to say that this ought to be a place where Every person in need comes and every need is always met and all the money's there and all the, all those kind of, I'm just saying, for each of us individually, we need to answer the question. Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Remember our first verse last week in, out of Matthew was, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Not that they may pat you on the back and say what a nice person you are. But that we're the light of the world, and and we're to show forth that in our world. Without action, compassion is dead, and faith is useless. Dave Ramsey, the Christian financial guru, said, When action meets compassion, lives change. When action meets compassion, lives change. And so, But I need to make it clear, as I said earlier, you can't give money, and you shouldn't give money to everyone who asks for it on the street or wherever. That doesn't mean that you should never give. But how do I know to whom and when to give? Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you. Listening to God personally is a vital part of the process of growing in character traits such as compassion. Now the good thing is that our church, we have a food bank. We also have a benevolent fund where you can give to bless the lives of those in need. Our benevolence ministry here at Northwest Family Church exists to assist those who come to us or we hear about who need help, whether they attend church or not. Perhaps you want to give an offering about above your monthly tithe to our benevolent ministry or bring non-perishable food. She's not here this morning. Obviously, she just had a baby, but Megan is in charge of that. Other ways you can put your compassion into action is through helping maybe single parents in your neighborhood with their children, assisting and visiting the widows, the seniors. You know some of the most lonely people Are those in seniors' homes? Where family sometimes just kind of has forgotten about them? Another way is that Lena in our church, Lena, you're over there, wave your hand. Lena in our church is organizing because of Megan now has just given birth and Sometimes it's difficult with meals, et cetera, right after the week after or so. And so she's going to organize food for parents who just had a baby introduced into their home. And so she's got a schedule, and if you'd like to help with that, she'll be in the foyer after the service. Why don't you see her and talk to her? And and so she's trying to arrange some meals that will be delivered to Pastor Roger and Megan while they make these adjustments. And uh, she recovers and... Um, all those kind of things. And then we have another couple who are going to have a baby in February, and then we have another couple going to have a baby um, in the end of the summer. And so these are some things that we want to do in a compassionate way to help these people. But ask the Holy Spirit in a personal way, in what way He wants you to show compassion to those around you that you see are in need. It might be shoveling snow for the person next door who's a, a senior or an invalid or whatever it might be, maybe you won't get any more snow this year. Wouldn't that be great? Um, or maybe it's, it's cutting their grass. You know how sometimes in the, in the community in the, where you live, there's no fence between your yard and the other yard, and so you, you just cut the grass right to where that property line is. What would happen if you just kind of went a little farther and a little farther I mean, even the city advertises to be a snow angel, right? Why angel? There's enough of the other side, believe me. And so there's all kinds of ways. When, when you see something, or, or maybe you're walking down the sidewalk close to your house or in front of your neighbor's house, and, and somebody has thrown their garbage on your neighbor's lawn, coffee cup, whatever. And you say, oh, poor guy. And you just take a few seconds, pick it up, throw it in the trash. Or maybe their dog has come and made a deposit on your lawn. Just wants to fertilize your grass because it needs it. You want to go over and grab your neighbor by the neck. Clean up your dog's doo-doo. You say, that's okay. Probably never noticed. He probably never saw it. Maybe it wasn't that neighbor. Maybe it was that one. Maybe it was somebody just walking by. I'll clean it up. Sometimes we have an anger issue. We're not going there, right? But we can put compassion. That's the Holy Spirit. Please show me the need around me. Help me to grow in compassion and love for those who are lost and in need. Show me how and in what way you want me to impact their lives with your love and with the power of the gospel. Please tell me in a really clear and specific way. Amen. Step four. If we're going to make impact through compassion, we need to embrace a selfless, not selfish, selfless life. If we're going to make an impact, we need to make the decision of embracing a selfless life. Compassion is a lifestyle that we embrace. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes these words. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, Paul is saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. If we only serve because there's something in it for us, it's not an act of compassion. We don't serve others just to impress other people because you'll lose God's blessing in that. He continues in that chapter, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If you want your life to be blessed by God, if you really want to live a life of impact, a life that matters, a life that leaves a mark, we have to live a life of compassion. Here's a project for us. How about next Sunday, or during this week, but next Sunday works, how about bringing, you know, some of those coats that you have in your closet you're not going to wear anymore, you've got too many of. Maybe you don't know what to do with some of your kids' coats that they outgrew before they outwore. I wonder if next Sunday we were to bring coats, no, please, coats in good shape, coats that have been cleaned and dry cleaned, acceptable to give in Jesus' name. What if we were to bring our excess coat, maybe even one that you really like, but God's saying, I want you to give it away. What if we were to bring our coats next week? And then we were to have some folks who took them either to the Salvation Army or the Mustard Seed or the Drop-In Center, Dream Center, wherever. Maybe just down the street to see somebody who doesn't have a coat, warm coat on, and stop and say, hey, can I give you a coat? What if we, rather than just hear some things, what if we do some things. This is just an idea and I'll leave it with you and if you bring some coats then and you may come and say, Pastor, I know exactly where we can go to distribute coats to people in need. And I'd like to do that. I don't want us to go down and give coats and say this is from Northwest Family Church. That's not the idea. This is not an advertising blitz. God has changed my life. I just want to give you this coat. In fact, can I pray for you? Because God loves you. And he wants to warm your inside just as this coat will warm your outside. What's the worst they can say? It'd be like when we were in Bible school, we had to go downtown Vancouver and Cordova Street. Do Street witnessing as one of our practical, practical things, and we got swore at and spit at and all kinds of things. It's quite an experience, but others were very gracious and kind, and you may get all kinds of responses, but if you want your life, be blessed by God. You want to live a life of impact. Lisa Mark, we need to live a life of compassion. Compassion is a character trait that we 're called to show to others not only once a year. But all the time. I invite us all to make good use of these 21 days of prayer and fasting and pray daily for this character trait and say, God, help me to be a person who has the character of compassion. And ask the Lord to help us identify a time when we failed to show compassion, not to beat up on ourselves. But to listen in prayer to the Holy Spirit, asking Him for some practical steps where we could reverse that action in our life and change. Maybe it's ignoring this certain need of people. Maybe it's, you know, shutting this person down. Whatever it is. Our memory verse in Matthew 25, verse 40 on the screen says, The King will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Some other practical steps as we conclude is this. Talk to somebody about the action steps that you're going to endeavor to make and ask them to pray for God to help you. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit. Confess any bitterness or offense, if applicable, that you have in your life. And so it's created this intense barrier between you and somebody who's in need. Maybe you got ripped off once. Maybe you got taken advantage of. Maybe, whatever. Confess that bitterness and offense and ask God to forgive you. And then continue to renew your mind by meditating on the word of God. As you read through scripture this year, And you even put some to memory, allowing the word of God to change you and listen to God's voice in your prayers and begin to write in a journal, if you don't already, the things you're learning, your prayer requests and the prayers God answers. And hopefully by next week or most of the week after, we've ordered these journals and we want to provide you with journals at a minimal cost. But we want to provide you with these journals that you might write in there and Things that God has said and things he's shown you and and challenges he's given you and decisions you've made and prayer requests you've prayed and answers to prayer you're receiving. By the end of the year, book's probably not large enough, but you'll develop this habit. By the end of the year, when we get together again, we say, okay, bring your journals and, and let's have a praise time, what God has been doing in our lives. And rejoice. You know, in Jesus, we see the ultimate example of compassion. Instead of living a self-serving life, we see self-sacrifice. When we were in need, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says he died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. As we bow our heads this morning and pray. If you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. If you haven't received the new life from him. If you haven't asked him to forgive you of your sin. If you haven't surrendered your life to him. Where he's not just savior but he's Lord. Why not make that decision this morning? Why not invite Jesus Christ to forgive you. Why not say, Jesus, I repent. And repent just means I'm sorry and I'm turning from that to follow you. Forgive me. Put your Holy Spirit in me. Help me to live the life you want me to live. Forgive me for my bad attitudes and my preconceived notions and ideas about people. Help me to live a life of compassion as you have set the prime example. You forgave me. Didn't wait for me to improve my status. While I was a sinner, you died for me. And Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my savior, my Lord, my master. Give me a love for your word and a desire that my life might count for you. I can't do it without you, Jesus. I need you. I ask you to help me. And friends, if you'll pray a prayer like that, he'll come into your life. He'll change and transform you little by little, line upon line, precept on precept. You'll just allow him to be first, and you take second place. His will, not your will. And you'll begin to develop a life that is so impactful and strong. You'll be a great influence for God, not because of you but because of Jesus in you. Father, I thank you for your desire is every one of us fulfill the purpose you've created and designed us to have. You want to make us like Jesus, full of compassion. You want to help us with our belief system. You've given us your word and we might read it and apply it and study it and memorize it and, and let it to change our thinking and then our actions. As we're on this journey this year of reading through Scripture, Father, I pray you'll give all of us a tremendous love and hunger and desire to hear you. In the pages we read, in the conversations we have with you, in the Experiences of life and our interaction with other believers help us to grow in grace. So, Father, upon this body of people, I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember, you can sign up for those meals you want to help with. There's coffee in the foyer. Why don't you take a moment, relax, meet somebody, say hi, and share together how this week you're going to be able to show compassion. You might have to show it in your own household. Right? God bless you. Have an awesome week. Amen.